Hey friends, before we get to today's episode, I want to talk to you about unicorns. You know I think we're all unicorns because we have special gifts and talents, and because we're all so special, it's important that we invest in things that will help us get to the next level. In fact, 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support. Plus, they have a huge collection of resources to help startups scale. And with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save big off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, visit HubSpot.com slash startups. If you're really unhappy with what you're doing, don't feel the need to stay there. Just get out there, learn what's out there, meet some people, network, and maybe you'll get lucky just like me. Hey everyone, this is Ashley Menzies Babatunde, and welcome to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. We are here to unpack the human stories behind success. And this week, we have another amazing guest, Alex Sue, who has been taking the legal content creation industry by storm. But before we get to his story, I just want to tell you a bit about my amazing week at Inbound in Boston last week. Guys, it was incredible. If you're unfamiliar with Inbound, it's a huge conference that brings HubSpot partners, customers, sales, and marketing professionals together for just a really empowering experience. And someone said this, I think it might've been my cousin, but it honestly looks like Disneyland for business. All the colors, all the joy, just so incredible. And the keynote speaker this year was President Barack Obama. Yes, like I was fangirling, He was incredible. We were so excited. I just loved hearing his speech and all the other amazing speakers. I actually had two talks and they were on entrepreneurship. I got to speak with Emily Thompson from Being Boss. We just had an episode with her last week, so make sure you check it out. And I had another really amazing conversation with Dawn Dixon, serial entrepreneur. She's done some really amazing things. And that episode is coming out in a few weeks. So stay tuned for that as well. So if we met at Inbound or if you attended one of my live podcasts, I just want to say welcome and thank you for being here. I had the opportunity to meet other HubSpot creators and it was just so inspiring. Everyone was brilliant and passionate. And I plan to share some of those lessons learned while connecting with other HubSpot creators on a solo episode this month. So also stay tuned for that. Lots of things in the pipeline. Okay, so back to Alex Sue. He's so cool, so inspiring, has such an interesting story. He's a former attorney who now works at the cutting edge of legal technology. So he's head of community development at Ironclad, a contracts technology company backed by Excel, Sequoia, and other leading investors. He is also legal tech bro on TikTok, where he makes silly and what I think very impactful videos poking fun at the legal industry. Attorneys out there, please check it out. You will feel seen, especially if you were in big law or are currently in big law. He was an associate at Sullivan and Cromwell and clerked for a federal judge. Alex graduated from Northwestern Law, where he was editor of the Law Review and student commencement speaker. So big deal. Based on these credentials, his journey took some unexpected twists and turns. 
We dig into so many amazing no straight path topics, setbacks, the highlights, and the lessons learned. And one thing that really stuck with me is how personal storytelling played a key role in Alex's success. All right, can't wait for you guys to hear our conversation, so let's get to it. I am so excited. Thank you so much, Alex, for being here. I just love everything that you have to say on LinkedIn. I find it so inspiring, so insightful, and I'm so happy to meet you on Zoom. So thank you. (laughs) I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Absolutely. So I would love to really just start from the beginning If you could tell us how you grew up, maybe about the values that your family instilled, and a little bit just about your personality growing up. I'm the child of immigrants. I'm from New York originally. My parents are from Taiwan. And I grew up not really knowing what to do with my life. I think I always struggled with school. But when I got older, I decided, hey, I'm going to be a lawyer because, you know, whether it was watching the movies or reading a John Grisham book or something like that, I just admired the ability of lawyers to be really polished. And I thought I might want to be a trial lawyer. So in the Asian community, you know, your choices are really limited, you know, your parents will want you to select a professional path. And, you know, I selected law. But I always had these other hobbies on the side, I was always a content creator, I always messed around with like a GeoCities page, Uh, I used Zanga as a microblogging site when I was in college. So I always felt like that was going to be a side hobby, I had a lot of creative pursuits. But I was going to grow up to become a very serious lawyer, hopefully a successful trial lawyer. And, you know, coming from that immigrant community, going to law school, you know, I think uh, was a pretty big deal for me and for my family. I love that. I love that. And so that actually resonates with me, too. I think TV, it's so interesting how TV can really shape your perception growing up. I watched Matlock and Diagnosis Murder and Perry Mason with my grandmother. And I thought to myself, that looks interesting. That looks fun. I want to be a lawyer. I know, I know. But yeah, so can you tell us a bit just about law school once you actually got there? And did you end up actually doing some trial law? So it's funny, right? You go to law school with this goal in mind. And I had my goal of wanting to be a trial lawyer. I got into a much better school than I thought I would get into. I got into Northwestern Law. And I did well my first year. And something changed, I think, after I did that, because I, I wrote onto Law Review. And then suddenly... I was faced with all of these like decisions. And in my research and in my talking to lots of people, I realized maybe I should pursue the big law path. I thought maybe if I could work at a firm and a good firm and clerk for a judge, maybe I could be, I don't know, an AUSA, an assistant US attorney, a federal prosecutor, which I was told, hey, that's a great career path for a trial lawyer. So I started to pursue that path and and I actually did not do mock trial. I did not do a lot of what an up-and-coming trial lawyer would probably do in law school. I got caught up in kind of the rat race of getting into a prestigious firm for, you know, exit options to try to become a federal prosecutor. And so I think law school was the first time I I really did well in school and had a lot of options. And I thought, well, what better way to move ahead by going to a prestigious firm and clerking for a federal judge, and then hoping that that would take me to what I wanted to be one day. But it ended up being that, you know, when I became a summer associate, I quickly realized I might be taking the wrong path here, but there was so much momentum. It was hard to kind of jump off of that path. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And so what made you think you might be taking the wrong path here? Like, What was pulling you? Maybe something was pulling you or pushing you? <laughs> it's always a hunch, right? And, and I remember it was during my summer associate, I think the first week of being a summer associate, I just felt like 
I wasn't really enjoying the work, even though there wasn't a ton of work. As you know, like as a summer, you don't have a ton of work, but I didn't like it. And so I went into my office, I closed the door and I pulled out a legal pad and I wrote a list of, I wrote two columns, right? One column was all the things in my life that I had ever done that I thought I was good at and I enjoyed. And then the second column of things that I hated and I kind of was bad at. And it turns out when I really thought about it, everything I was doing for the firm, for big law, for that job was in that second column of things that I hated and was bad at. And so I think that was the first moment I thought, you know, maybe I should look at for something else. Maybe when I made the decision to pursue this path, I didn't fully recognize my strengths and weaknesses and that maybe I should try something different. So it wasn't when I was a summer associate. Now, I didn't go off the beaten path until much later. I ended up joining the firm full-time. I clerked for a judge and then spent two years in the litigation department in big law. But, but I think it was very early on where I had a hunch that it might not be for me. That's good that you figured it out. <laughs> I wonder, so I know that you do share a little bit before we get to this pivot, because I find it so fascinating. I did want to talk about one of the pain points in your story. And I think we have this mm-hmm. in common, the bar exam. Could you tell us a little bit mm-hmm. about that? So I took the bar exam like everyone else. And what I was told is that, hey, you'll probably feel pretty bad about it, but you'll probably pass given your background. You know, you went to a top school, you've got a job at a top firm, you're probably going to be fine. So imagine my surprise when I found that I did not pass the New York bar exam my first attempt. It was devastating. And it was really tough to go through because I had thought, okay, when I was growing up, I wasn't good at school. I had turned a new leaf. I had this like really successful academic experience in law school. I had put all the failures in my past, but right out of the gate, I couldn't pass the bar exam. So that was pretty difficult. And I think added to the, the self-doubt that I had, you know, I mentioned I was when I was a summer associate, I wasn't sure if this is the right job. Then I failed the bar exam. Then I'm like, I really need, need to rethink all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you gain that confidence and overcome that specific challenge? You know, I don't know if there was a specific plan. I feel like I just had to retake the bar exam and I struggled through it. I think that at the time when I learned that I had failed, it was tough for many reasons, but it was even tougher because I was trying to land this clerkship with a judge. I mentioned I'd been interested in clerking. There was uh, somebody I met through an Apulsa event when I was in law school who got appointed to be a federal judge and he was confirmed and was looking for clerks. And I had a relationship with him and I had been recommended by one of my professors, but I had this like bar exam failure hanging over my head. And I remember having to tell him, Hey, look, I would love to clerk for you, but you should know. I didn't pass the bar exam. And he was really kind about it. And he was like, don't worry, you'll get him the next time. It's not an issue for the clerkship. You'll be fine. And so I actually joined a big law for a few months, then immediately got the job clerking and I immediately left to go clerk. And I would study on nights and weekends while I was clerking. And I passed the second time. So I felt a lot of gratitude for the judge who who hired me despite having me not passing the bar. I also felt a lot of gratitude to all my co-clerks, you know, who I worked with. And it was just a, a really challenging time, but I got past it and I passed the bar exam the second time. And yeah, I feel like with that behind me, I felt like I had overcome this setback that a lot of people hadn't. But yeah, it was it was pretty tough when I was going through it. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing. And so after overcoming that setback, you clerked, you worked in big law. Can you tell us about this pivot? So I went to clerk and then I went back to big law. And in litigation, 
you don't really do interesting work as a junior associate, especially in the largest New York firms, which is what I was at. You do a lot of managing discovery. And so I was like, this is not what I want to do. I wanted to be a trial lawyer because I wanted to work with people. I wanted to make the case. I wanted to persuade juries. And what I was doing was like solitary work. It was just very tedious work that I was doing by myself. So I decided to leave and I went to a plaintiff's firm. And by then I had moved to California. I actually left New York and went to California. Joined a plaintiff's firm that was known for going up against big law firms by using technology. Like they adopted this, they did um, cloud-based e-discovery very early on. This was like 2014. They did remote exhibit sharing. They did remote depositions. Again, all before COVID, before this became a thing. And so it was really interesting to see all that technology. That job didn't work out for me, but I had seen the power of technology. Right after that, I opened my own solo practice because I wanted to, to just try it out. I had this entrepreneurial bug, but unfortunately, my solo practice didn't work out. So by then, I was like six years out of law school. I had spent all this time with the clerkship, with the big law firm, building out my resume. And then I had all these failures in a row. Like I had a job that didn't work out, you know, and I had a, a solo practice that didn't work out. So in 2016, six years out of law school, I decided, okay, I'm going to start over. But now I know a lot about myself. I know what I'm good at, what I'm bad at. I know a little bit about technology and I'm in the Bay Area. I think I want to go work for a startup that serves the legal industry. So like a, a legal tech startup. And that's what I did. In 2016, I made the jump and I took an entry-level role as a salesperson at a legal tech startup. I love that. What a journey. And it seems like you are loving legal tech. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah legal tech has been great to me. And, and I've been very lucky because I've worked with some great people and some great startups. And I also was kind of like a beneficiary of like this big wave that's happening in the world, which is digital transformation. There's all these quotes out there like software is eating the world. And you're seeing a lot of industries being transformed by tech. But law has not really been impacted until recently. It's a little bit behind the other industries. And so when I joined in 2016, the digital transformation had already been happening elsewhere, not in law. But in 2016, that's when things took off. And so me being at a startup, working in sales, you know, I got to see a lot of that happening. And during my time working in sales, I had exposure to lots of different people in the legal ecosystem. I started getting active on social media. I started building a presence, met lots of people and learned a lot of things. And so I've really been very lucky, Ashley. Like this has been a really wonderful experience. And today I'm at Ironclad. I have a, a non-sales role as the head of community development. And it's completely different than anything I've ever done. Oh, that's so inspiring. Just even the title sounds really cool. You talked a little bit about it. You touched on it. And so I would love to dig more into this building community, the social networks that you've built out, the following you've built on LinkedIn. That's how I heard about you. I just thought what you were saying was so interesting. Can you tell us about that transition? And then I think you're on TikTok as well. I think you're, you make really cool, funny TikTok videos. I think I've seen a few. <laughs> it's been an evolution, actually. Like, when I started off, so I was a salesperson and I didn't really have an active online presence, but I read somewhere that if you post on LinkedIn, it'll help you with your sales because it will get you in front of lawyers who might want to buy. So I started posting on LinkedIn in 2016. And at first, it was like boring articles that everyone else posts on LinkedIn and nobody liked it. And I remember texting my friends like, Hey, can you like my stuff? No one's liking it. But then I started pivoting to talking about my career journey, leading the law. And that's when that things, I think, took off and people started resonating with it. And it ended up having a very powerful 
business development impact. Like people would reach out to me and say, I love your content. By the way, can we have a sales conversation? So I realized the power of it. And so I started doubling down on it and posting a lot of content over the years. But it wasn't until I think 2020 when things really took off. I had just had a child and I knew that I needed a better way to connect with people because I couldn't go to the conferences. I couldn't fly everywhere. I couldn't go to happy hour. You know, I had to be home and, and had all these responsibilities. So I thought, well, okay. I can post things from home on social media. I can use that as a way to engage with people until my daughter is a little bit grown. And so this was in late 2019, early 2020. And then that's when the pandemic hit. And that changed everything. Because now everybody had to stay home. No one could go to conferences. No one could go meet up for happy hour. And so I was kind of, again, ahead of the curve, very lucky to be in a position where I was creating content and I was developing an audience within the legal industry. And that year, 2020, when the pandemic hit, that was the first year I started experimenting with all sorts of weird things on the internet. And what I mean by that is like, I would host these meetups online. I would start making memes. I would put out some hot takes on a lot of things and just try to stir up some controversy online. So that was a year of experimentation for me. But towards the end of the year was when I discovered that I was really good at making funny video skits, making fun of your my legal experience, like working at a law firm. And as I was making these video skits with like iMovie and, and Zoom, a few of my connections reached out and they said, Hey, you know, there's this app out there that you should check out. It's very easy to make videos on them. It's called TikTok. And I was like, Oh, I've heard of TikTok. That is for teenagers and people who dance and <laughs> lip sync. And that's not for me. I've heard of it. It's not for me. I'm a serious lawyer. I'm not doing that. But they were pretty persistent and I kind of gave in and I made a, I made a TikTok in the fall. I think it was just like maybe November of 2020. And it went viral. Then I immediately found myself with a following on TikTok. So since then, I've been making content on all the social media platforms, including TikTok. I share my TikToks on like Instagram. I post memes on Twitter. Uh, I post a lot on LinkedIn. And so social media has become a very big part of my professional life. That's so cool. The power of technology and connection and even storytelling. Like that's so interesting how you really sharing your story that those bits and pieces of honesty and vulnerability, how that pulls people in. I love that. And that's the point of the podcast. So <laughs> love it. Yeah. <laughs> so friends, we're going to take a quick break so I can tell you about another amazing podcast. And that's Latinx Empower hosted by Thaisa Fernandez, which is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Latinx Empower is a podcast that features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insights from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their careers. I think you'll love a recent episode on toxic positivity in the workplace. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcast. So I would love to know about your definition of success. You've had this really interesting windy path, uh, which has led to a lot of success. And I'd love to know how you define it for yourself. I think it's something that's evolving. What I want to do is do interesting work with great people and make enough money that I don't worry about money. I don't need to make the most amount of money. I don't need to have the most high-powered, prestigious job. I don't need to be an executive necessarily right away. I think my goal is to to do what I find meaningful. And what I found very interesting is that 
the more I focused on getting the things that I wanted out of a career and out of a life, success came very quickly. So when I was growing up, I wanted to follow a linear career path. I heard about like law school. I heard about going to a big firm. And so I did all of these things without any context of understanding like, why was I doing it? Was I doing it for myself or was I doing it to impress other people? I think a lot of lawyers and, and law students fall into this trap because like once you, you know, get into a great school, once you get a good job at a great firm, it becomes very easy to stay on that treadmill to try to get the most prestigious opportunities, to make a lot of money, to impress people. But at the end of the day, I realized that wasn't important to me. I wanted to have balance and I've always struggled with balance, but I wanted to have balance. And I think that's why I mentioned earlier in late 2019, I decided that I would focus on creating content. I thought I really like doing it. I've always liked doing it. I didn't do it because of the money or because of prestige. I mean, I think that at the time, and even now, a lot of people talk about LinkedIn content creators. Some of these folks are, are put out cringy content and people make fun of them. And no one was really doing it in the legal space. But I thought, hey, I enjoy doing this. And I think that there's value here. So I'm going to lean into it hard. That to me, I think made all the difference because as I mentioned, it positioned me to be one of the very few voices online when the pandemic first hit. So by kind of doing what was right for me, I got lucky when the world changed. And that happened to me, you know, five years earlier when I got into legal tech. You know, I saw technology, I thought it was cool, and I put myself in the position of going into that niche. And I remember people telling me, like, what you're gonna do with your law degree, like you're gonna throw it away by doing sales for like a small startup which of course didn't make sense at the time to a lot of people. But I thought, hey, if I focus on what I want to do and I, what I enjoy, it won't feel like work. I'll really find it rewarding. And I couldn't imagine that that I wrote a trend where digital transformation hit the legal industry. So I've been lucky in that way. And I think that's why for me, success means focusing on what my own definition is and not necessarily what what the world wants for me. I love that. I think that's wonderful. And do you have any advice for the younger generation, perhaps someone is a summer associate and they are having those feelings that you had at the time, or perhaps someone does want to be a lawyer, but they're like, I want a little bit more balance or they're interested in legal tech. Like how can we help? I just feel like there's so many bright young people that do want to perhaps enter the legal space, but maybe what they're doing right now might not be a right fit. Like, do you have any advice for them? I'm still learning this as I go. But I think the first thing I want to say is if you don't feel like you're in the right job, it doesn't mean you need to leave the law. I think a lot of people hear that, you know, hear my story and they think, oh, I should leave the law too. I don't think that's the case. And I try to write about this. I have a newsletter and I've been writing on uh, above the law. I have a column out because I think that careers are not like a ladder. They're like a jungle gym. And you can have a lot of success by doing something different, even within the law. You can also do it outside of the law as well. But there are just so many ways to be successful. I think the most important thing is, number one, figuring out what you want out of life, what you want out of your career, out of your working time, and figuring out also where you fit in. I think the biggest mistake I made when I decided to go to law school when I was you know, 19 or 20 years old was that I didn't think enough about what I was good at or what my unique strengths were. I have no regrets about going to law school because it was a wonderful experience. But there were times where I was like, I don't fit in. Whereas, you know, when I went to legal tech, when I got into sales, I felt like, oh, this is what I was meant to do. Like, I learned that I was really good at cold calling, like on the phone, which no one likes doing that. But I had worked on this yeah. political campaign between my clerkship and working at a firm. And, and other people told me, hey, you're really good at making cold calls. 
that was an insight I got from doing something on the side. So I think also like expanding your hobbies and, and trying different things on the side and listening to what people tell you you're good at, because sometimes we don't see it ourselves. Other people see it, what's great about us before we see it ourselves. And just like how I found TikTok, like I had friends telling me, you should check out TikTok. You're good at this when I couldn't see it myself. So knowing what you're good at, knowing what you want out of life and not necessarily following a prescribed path that everyone else seems to be following. I think those are some key things you want to remember when you're coming up. I love that. And I certainly agree when you said listening to other people, because I think sometimes we move through our life just doing what we think is natural, but it's actually a gift. Like, and we don't realize, well, not everybody's good at connecting with people. Like I love people. I love connecting with people. Never thought this was a gift. So I think that's great. So I know you touch on a lot of different things in your writing, and I'd love to know just what you're passionate about. What kind of things are you talking about right now? Anything that's just really interesting that you're working on? So one of the key projects that I'm working on is that I think a lot of lawyers, and maybe even non-lawyers too, a lot of people are unhappy at their jobs. There's a lot of reasons for it, but a lot of folks don't know what else to do. Like, okay, well, I don't like my job. What am I going to do? Am I going to, am I just going to go out and be unemployed? Like, how do I know what the right path is? So my projects are related to sharing my own story, not necessarily to say like, you should follow my own path, but to show an example of what's out there. And that's what I focus on in my newsletter. I talk about what it was like to go through those early days of like interviewing with legal tech companies where they would pay you like a fraction of what you would make as a lawyer and like, oh my God, is this the right thing? I'm explaining this to my friends and my family. My parents are like, what are you doing? Uh, what is sales? And so I want to share the message. And you know, I think the message is not just from myself. I've met a lot of lawyers who have moved on from traditional jobs to uncharted territory. Some of them have leveraged social media to build incredible careers and jobs. Others have you know, found a niche where they have some specialized skill that can be applied to a very unique and growing space. It's hard to generalize, right? But there's a lot of different paths. And some people have started their own companies. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do that I think we're not taught when we're in law school. And we're not taught when we're growing up because they don't fit into a specific mold. But I want to share that message. And I think one of the most important parts about finding a new path is that you want to go where things are rapidly changing or growing. And that's why I like technology. Because you know where I work, Ironclad, we're kind of at the cutting edge of contracting. And what's happening in the contract space is that technology is really transforming how contracting works within companies. And it's kind of a, a new space and it's not an existing industry that's been around forever. But that means that there's going to be new roles and new opportunities to move ahead. It's not like a law firm where you got to wait you know, 8 to 10 years before you can make partner and do interesting work. And then maybe only if you have the right relationships. Like technology lets you move up the organization very quickly. And there's a lot of opportunities to learn. And so that's why I like technology. But these are some of the themes that I think really mean a lot to me. And they're tied to the message I really want to share. And I think that's a, an amazing message that we really need to hear. Final thing that I want to know, or two final things. Sorry, I'm just yeah. having this conversation. Number one, I saw something about a book deal on LinkedIn. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't have a book deal yet. I did sign with a literary agent. And this is one of those things that are surprising, like the surprising upsides of trying something different. Like I've always been told it's impossible to get a literary agent. 
when I was younger, I wanted to write a book. And I remember reading a, a how to get your book published book. And they said, you need to get an agent and you need to have a platform. And I didn't have a platform. So I was like, oh, I'll never be able to write a book. One of the upsides of having a, an audience online is that when you know so many people, you can share things and then you'll never know what kind of opportunities will come to you. So I posted a tweet that said, thinking about writing a book, anybody have any advice? And lo and behold, one of my followers is a literary agent and said, you know, I've been following you for a while. I think you would make a great author and let's talk. And that's not something that would have happened without trying something different. Had I not gone into legal tech and gone into social media, that wouldn't have happened. So what I want to write about is, again, tied to what I really feel passionate about, which is career pivots for lawyers. I think that there's a lot happening in the world where there's opportunities that most people don't see. And I want to talk about how I made my career pivot, how I made my transition, and share that story and share stories of other people and of things that I've seen. It's still in development, so it's going to take a while, but I'm very excited about this project. And thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, absolutely. I will certainly be reading uh, as soon as it's published. So and you'll have to come back on the show <laughs> and talk about it. But any final thoughts? Sometimes I don't touch on parts of guest stories that they may want to share. So if there are any final thoughts that you wanted to share, please do. No, I think that we've covered a lot of what I wanted to share. But I think for any listener who's out there, maybe at a job that's not ideal, I think that there's something more out there. And you can read, you can listen to podcasts like these. And then at some point, you're going to need to take action. And that's the hardest part. But there's a lot of resources you have today that weren't available in the past. Like you have stories on social media. I think LinkedIn is a great place where people are sharing their stories in real time. So you can see others and be inspired by them. So if you're really unhappy with what you're doing, don't feel the need to stay there. Just get out there, learn what's out there, meet some people, network, and maybe you'll get lucky just like me. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. Remember to share this episode with friends and family. And if you like what you hear, please go on to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to rate the show. It helps other listeners find No Straight Path. Let's spread the message, everyone, and make sure that millennials feel less alone. There's no straight path in your career and life, and that's okay. It's honestly what makes the journey exciting. So let's get inspired together. I hope you have a great week.